0: If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. You can find us under the Burn Orange Nation podcast feed. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find find podcast content. You'll find Kyle and I. Feel free to connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's still waiting
1: on his football care package. Kyle Carpenter Kyle how are you You know Gerald I uh <laughs> I'm a, I'm a lifelong ascriber to the sit and be fit uh school of of exercise and so um you know with my new Texas football jazzercise band and my lifetime support of PBS I get on there and I sit and I uh I be fit you know the 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 COVID-19 ain't gonna get me now I <laughs> I uh I actually just picked up a a what do you call a, a stationary bike uh, for my wife? Because the uh, the the cycle studio is closed down. She can't get there. She's going stir crazy. It's raining outside, so we now have a a bike that we are renting uh, from her local studio. So uh, we're all about the exercise here in the Carpenter household.
0: So I'm doing this masochistic thing where I have a jump rope Ooh, that I've been trying, nice. and um, it's it is the dumbest thing I do on a regular basis. By choice, like there are some dumb things I do on a regular basis as a husband, like I'll say something stupid to my wife, and generally it's not a choice, right? But uh, I do that on purpose, and uh, it's real, real stupid, but I'm gonna keep doing it because again, uh, I want my work clothes to fit whenever it is that we get to go back to real life.
1: That's a good point, yeah. Whenever I put pants back on, they should fit. No, I a jump rope is both for the heart, but it also is not for the faint. Of heart, I uh, I went to a, a boxing gym for a while, and I didn't really think much of jump rope uh, until a, a guy who boxes put me through like thirty minute jump rope sessions, and now I'm terrified of a jump rope. So more power to you, G.
0: It came from the the six months that I did MMA workouts and a similar thing. I like worked out with an actual MMA fighter. Side note, if they have one a person that fights ever asks you, hey, let me kick you once, <laughs> say no. Just say. No, but the guy named, the guy's name was Lance. He, he was like, jump roping is great for you, and I loved it. Um, and then I stopped doing those workouts because I came home uh, getting after getting hit pretty hard. I was getting married in a few weeks, and my wife said, if you show up to my wedding with a broken nose, I will not go through <laughs> with it. And I liked her more than I liked the guy named Lance who was training me. Fair so enough. <laughs> made, made a business decision on that one. So we've got a little bit of news for you this week. We've got uh, – a new series we're going to start for our Tuesday shows. Getting uh, inspired last week by our interview with Last Hand, last Stand Hat Company. Uh, we'll down the 40 and we'll bang the drum. But the big news this week, women's basketball coaching. Rarely where we see blockbuster moves in the University of Texas. But like literally last week we talked about uh, that Karen Aston didn't have a contract, but we thought that it would be renewed. We didn't really see anything that would say that it wouldn't. And then on Friday, the university announced that it was going to let her contract expire at the end of April, that she would not be re-signed. And then like 72 hours later, a blockbuster from the man himself, Chris Del Conte, posts a picture with Vic Schaefer. If you don't know who Vic Schaefer is, he's only one of like the three probably best women's basketball coaches in the country, been at Mississippi state since 2012 and has done a ton of good work for the bulldogs.
1: Yeah. It's uh Gerald. I'm, I'm retracting eating crow, walking back, admitting wrong, whatever we need to say. When we talked about this last week, you said a new coach in this economy, you know, it just seemed highly unlikely. Um, and, and again, CDC flexes, harder than any human being i have ever seen like it's amazing that literally during this time when people are worried about you know money and programs big 12 revenues you know were, were significantly less ncaa is gonna pay out uh less to schools all this thing i guess that's you know when it's nice to be the joneses because um, cdc just went out and i mean basically you're not going to get Gino from UConn. Like, Gino mean is, is an institution, and he's, he, he is UConn. You don't get that. Kim Mulkey at this point is the same at Baylor. She ain't going anywhere. She has no need to. It costs $38,000 to have a house in Waco. So, I mean, <laughs> there was, like... On every other coach in the country, that's out on the table. This is the number one. He he went out, got the number one from again a place where he, Vic Schaefer was absolutely worshipped. Took a program from nowhere, built them up all in his image. It was basically him. And and the the point that should not be missed is that he is an he is an Aggie undergrad had uh, had coached at A and M during their national championship that they'll tell you they're they're a women's basketball school obviously um in in 2011 and their their current head coach is like in their 70s so it seemed like a lot of Aggies just thought you know Vic's coming home one day but uh on every level this resonates with just chef's kiss uh CDC just pulls a rabbit out of I don't even know if there was a hat on this one just think it beautiful
0: yeah like he, he mentioned in the presser that, like, there's kind of those names that you keep in your top drawer for uh, to pull out in case of emergency. But, like, Vic Schaefer doesn't feel like a just, ah, let's see what he's up to. Like, let me send you a, like, 3 a.m. What's up text to see what's going on, right? <laughs> like, uh, he's very entrenched at Mississippi State. Had a lot. Was, like, 221 and 62 overall. Like, 131 and 16 over the last four seasons. Three time SEC coach of the year. He's a Texas guy, which obviously has an advantage. Uh, but like, it just, it was a shocker to me. It kind of just came out of nowhere. Um, but more power to you, Texas. And this is weird because, again, we talked about it last week. You didn't expect much to happen with Aston because she was doing a good job. She wasn't doing a bad job. She maybe probably they thought, I guess, could have squeezed more more out of the talent that she had. Last year was kind of an anomaly with all of the injuries, but this year, I thought she'd done a really good job. And so maybe it's if it's a, a personality clash with him or with Chris Plonsky or I'm not sure what, but like it's so weird. Uh, to see this now, that being said, the result is incredible. And if Texas can get to the point where they're doing what Mississippi State is doing, I'm all for it. So maybe it's just Del Conte trying to bring in his people.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, when, when you put together a, a three-year run where you lose um, five games, two games, and three games, winning you know 33 or better each of those three years, losing twice, uh, two of those uh, whatever, that number, I think, 10 losses came in the, uh, the NCAA title game. So, I mean, just... There is no argument, Vic, Vic Schaefer, a guy who's uh, from the Houston area, um, you know, uh, will, will be able to immediately recruit, will be the name recognition, knows how to build a program, just uh, checks checks all of the boxes, uh, only 59 years old, so does have, you know, at least a good decade uh, of his of his prime and uh, ready to become a Longhorn legend and, and I mean it's, it's I don't want to dive too deep here into the women's basketball but the first ever before there was a UConn there was Jody Conrad had the first ever undefeated national championship season and so Texas basketball, Texas women's basketball truly is one of the all-time greats you have to associate them with there just because of their history even if they've been a little bit down here uh, recently so back to the glory days, I'm excited
0: And you mentioned Coach Conrad, like Del Conte said in the presser that he consulted Coach Conrad before making the move, which is just absolutely incredible that he, one, gets the right people, right voices in the room, but two, like, kind of reveres who should be revered at the university of Texas, which actually leads us into our next conversation, Kyle. So last week with, uh, with our friend, Mike from last day hats, by the way, if you haven't, uh, haven't gone out and bought one, he's got a massive sale going right now. You should check it out. Uh, but, He asked us, we asked kind of who would be the Mount Rushmore of like getting his brand out there as far as hats go. And we had some interesting and and funny responses. But you and I, Kyle, started talking about like, what would a Texas Mount Rushmore be? And so we wanted to go, we'll start sport by sport. Feels like the right way to go. So Mm -hmm. we'll go sport by sport to give every dog their day. Because I feel like if we just started overall, we'd miss out on some really, really key names. So we're going to start with just football. Uh, and we'll go back and forth and talk through it. But before we jump into the actual, like, X's and O's of who's on the list, I want to know from you, like, what do you think qualifies somebody uh, to be on the football Mount Rushmore?
1: Well, to be the Mount Rushmore, you certainly have to be able to open your mouth and let Team America World Police's plane fly out. No, that's a deep cut. Uh, you have time. Go watch that movie. It's fantastic. Um, no, the I mean, honestly, right, you, you need to have the on-field uh Stats Like I think there are some guys who meet the kind of program in the heart. You need to have contributed where it matters on the gridiron, right? You also need to have an impact on the greater program, its trajectory, its legacy, something like that. Like if you're going to get up there immortalized forever, you got to leave something a little bigger. I'm not going to say you have to have won this, you need to have this award, whatever. But just kind of that, that gut check of do they have the legacy box checked? Um, so on field legacy and then I think it's it's pretty much just you know, it's hard to compare across eras, but if you ask fans of that vintage of that era how good the guy is, you <sighs> better be the response. You need you need their eyes rolling back. Let me tell you a thing. So uh, I, I think it's the it's the it's the stats, it's the legacy, and then it's the it. Whatever that that question it factor is, but you just know the guy had it.
0: Yeah, and I think it's it's those guys that you you just have to say a name, right? Whether it's first or last, it's a one name kind of kind of situation. Mm. Uh, I also like to throw out that they were uh, characters on Friday Night Lights were named after them is another way to uh, <laughs> the TV show. By the way, to 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 figure out who should probably be on this Mount Rushmore. But Kyle, because I'm the host, you get your first choice. So we're gonna try not to have a ton of overlap and we'll actually put a poll out there on twitter to see who has the better mount Rushmore. but kyle first up who's your first big face on the mountain
1: you let me go first you done messed up aaron the the obvious first pick here um and, and i mean guys if you if this name is a surprise to you go ahead pause the podcast just go turn on longhorn network i'm sure he's on there somewhere in the next couple hours it's 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 obviously Gerald One Vincent Paul Young Jr. Um, that's full name status, and in fact, he was Vincent Young when he got here. You probably know him as Vince Young, maybe Vince, maybe VY, maybe the Goat, maybe Mr. Rose Bowl. It doesn't matter. There's nicknames. You know him. Everyone knows him. I mean, like, where do you start? Or do, do I do I even need to justify? I certainly will. It 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 was just thrown upon us, foist upon the entire country to watch the single greatest performance on the biggest stage in the history of college football. I mean, big game Vince, right? Like it's it's 267 uh, passing, 200 rushing numbers that are mind-boggling, even in today's football, uh, in a championship game. And they needed every single one of those to get the win um, against an, an unbelievable team. It's it's called by many the game of the century. But that's the known. I think if you dive into his stats a little bit, right, he's the first guy to ever in the history of the NCAA throw for 3,000 and rush for 1,000 that season. He would have had three consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. Uh, however, he had a kneel down his freshman year that took him down to 998 on the season. Um, so, I mean – Always had double-digit touchdowns every year, even though he didn't uh, didn't play every game his freshman year. Um, even his passing yards freshman or you know numbers aren't aren't terrible. They obviously got better every year, but the I mean the jump up his senior year, and, and we've talked about it. What. What would have happened to college football if Vince Young was so upset that he didn't get a Heisman? And what would have happened to Vince Young as a football entity and came back for a senior year? It would have changed the entire landscape of things. We did all right, guys. Don't don't worry. We'll talk more about that. I'm sure we did all right. But I mean, just the, he he carries that much gravitas that the entire planets of college football orbit around everything that he does i mean i could really go into detail about all of the litany of things of records of impact of legacy but i don't think you really need to justify this one let's spend it on maybe some uh some deeper dives or uh, ones we have to have to explain more but you know number 10 in the rafters number one in our hearts
0: yeah that's that's like one of the more obvious ones and, and kyle obviously i think whoever went first would probably be the one uh, to take that one so i've i I've got this precarious position of who who to take next and and you went of the of the newer generation. Uh, my first pick is going to be the same position, but many years ago, the man named James Street. James Street still holds four active school records, four school records two Cotton Bowl records, and a Southwest Conference record that will literally never be broken because the Southwest Conference doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) The only quarterback in school history to complete his career without a loss. Back-to-back conference championships, a natty in 1969 awarded by President Richard Nixon, who, again... This was well before the scandal, but that's okay. Uh, But there are are kind of three-storied quarterbacks in the University of Texas history, and James Street is the reason why I don't think anybody will ever wear the number 16 ever again at the university, if not just the football team.
1: That's a really great pick. I thought I might sweep him up uh, a little bit later if, if you went from the, the early bias. And just to open the kimono, folks, we didn't share, obviously, so we're, we're, we're going blind. We, there is a, some strategy here on how we're, how we're picking. So I, I think this is a solid pick, and I'll tell you the reason I had him uh, on mine as well, even though we uh, we haven't talked about other sports, and we're going to get to it later. 29-8. and eight. As a pitcher, uh, for the for the uh, baseball team, um, three year old conference in that sport, um, just uh, a great pick, great pick, two time All American James Street, um, the Street family, uh, I mean, contributed a lot to UT. We we may talk about that in a separate podcast, but solid, solid, solid pick, Gerald. I will give you that. All right, who's your who's your second? Well, so I I thought I might be. Changing up the game here a little, I, I kind of assumed what you were going to go next, and so it it threw me off a little. There's no chance that I go three quarterbacks in a row because this is, you know, also a running back school. We've produced some of the greatest of all time. Uh, picking between the two running backs is is tough. Yeah. Um, goodness. I was kind of hoping you would take one and I take the other. I am going to put this out there and, and I'm sure I might get some talking to depending on your age, but I'm going to go with my next pick with Earl Campbell. I, I don't know like how you can argue with it. I, I, we drew, um, uh, was my, my, wife was watching, um, some highlights of, uh, the old Houston, Houston Oilers? She's a Houston girl through and through and just watching that, you know, and I, and I just, watched those highlights literally this week and said to her you know like the way he ran he could have never had a 15 year career um but had he been able to you know somehow sustain and and preserve the body or get maybe a few less carries a year like we m- would pretty much be talking about the greatest player in his era in high school the greatest in college and the greatest in the NFL. And, and and potentially you have to make that Barry Sanders, Walter Payton, Earl Campbell argument for the best running back in the NFL of all time. So just to the fact that he might be the most successful Longhorn uh, at the next level um, had he uh, been able to do it a little bit longer. And I think even still you can put his career up there. Just a dominant, unbelievable force of nature. Like if if, if my team right now is Vince Young, the, the, you know, <laughs> the unbelievable 6'6 quarterback who's bigger than the linebackers. Uh, Earl Campbell, bigger than some of the linemen. You know, like, just a monster. I can't imagine the zone read with, with those two guys and having to pick which one you want to run you over. I mean, I, I, like, again, I, I don't know that you need to necessarily justify it too much. Um, I mean, I'm not going to get into his, his uh, post-career sausage-making or anything. I think just the stats alone uh do it i mean he's unanimous all-american won every single award there could have possibly been his senior year um yeah I, i won't go into it but there is a highlight i'll just point out maybe i'll tweet it in in defense of mine there's a clip of him carrying a human being probably about eight feet off of the ground because he decided to stand between Earl and the place he so loved, which was the end zone on uh, en route to his 18 rushing touchdowns his senior season. And, and if you haven't seen that clip, it's one of the gnarliest things I've ever seen documented uh, on camera. So we'll, we'll, we'll tweet that one out, but I'm going Earl number two.
0: I mean, I, I don't necessarily know if you if you uh, had to defend that one as, as vigorously as you did, <laughs> but... I understand why you want to defend it vigorously. So here's, there's a t- i I've got, like I'm torn with my two, ch- with with the next kind of three on my list. And so, um, man, I've just, I, I've got to do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go, Mac Brown. Ah, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take, Mac Brown, as my second face. And and I spent. I mean, I mean, there's two there's two guys that you pick for a coach, right? Mack Brown or DKR on this. And I spent so much time mm-hmm. waffling back and forth between the two, and I just had to go Mack Brown simply because of the fact that, like, he has been, at least for an entire generation of Texas fans, like he is their coach. Like anybody of our age and kind of in that same age bracket, Mack Brown's their coach. And he's going to be their football coach. Uh, 20 consecutive winning seasons, obviously the 05 national championship game, the 05 coach of the year, 18 consecutive bowl appearances, 162 weeks ranked in the AP top 10, which is a clean decade. I don't know if you knew that Uh, 192 (laughs) straight in the coaches poll. That's 98 to 2010, Uh, 21 consecutive conference wins, which was a record at the time, like Back to back eleven win seasons, nine consecutive ten win seasons, like the things Mac Brown did as a head as a head football coach for the University of Texas is just huge. And it's honestly, I'm gonna say this, the lofty standard that's probably unfair to the team and the coaches now was created by Mac Brown.
1: That's that's a phenomenal pick. I, I I had the same toss up. I didn't know if we were gonna. I thought I might sneak coaches in, and you wouldn't wouldn't have considered it. But I should have known better, Gerald. You were smart. Um, and and I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and counter directly. I love Mac. You're right. He's my coach. But if I'm putting my my Mount Rushmore up there, um, and this has a, an older vintage than I ever expected. But in, I going with his coach, his first coach. Uh, I have to go with, with maybe you've heard of him. Maybe he has a legacy, three letters, DKR. Um, I mean, the dang stadium named after him. Uh, I mean, not only did he coach for two decades, winning three titles, never having a losing season, um, but after he got done coaching, no, just, just became the athletic director. You know, no big deal. Um, kind of shepherded uh, Texas into the, the post-royal coaching Era um, of success across all sports, you know. I, I just there's so many great stories about Coach Royal. Um, I I don't know. Uh, I don't I don't know if I had to make the pick. I went back and forth. I did put Royal above Mac on mine, but it was a tough one. I, I see why you did it. I just think that elevation of Texas from a really good team, a team you don't want to catch in the bowl, a regional powerhouse to Texas wins national championships. Texas is a blue blood. They can any given year be the best team in the country without a doubt. Um, You know, that step up in Texas, I think, is ultimately Coach Royal's legacy. And then, I mean, speaking to how great a person Mac is, is the fact that uh, he consulted Coach Royal through his entire career because he knew how much he still felt was embodied and just, just, oozed university of texas
0: i i mean obviously i I spent all of your entire (laughs) three minutes talking about earl campbell to try to figure out which head coach i wanted to pick (laughs) so my my third pick ricky williams yeah gotta have the dreads carved in the side of a mountain i mean there is there's there's a lot to be said about his post Texas career. There's a lot that happened in the NFL, but Ricky at Texas was the most dominant player I think people had seen in Burn Orange since Earl Campbell. Like there there had not been a player period I would I would venture to say that was that dominant, especially at that position since Earl Campbell and that's Ricky Williams. Ricky has Again, an incredible career. Came back for another season when he didn't have to. That's honestly Mac Brown's best recruiting job was keeping Ricky Williams on campus for another year. That, yeah. Between Ricky's extra year and getting Vince Young on campus, like, I don't know which of those. Like, those are probably the one and two in the Mac Brown career. Uh, but, but Ricky just, again, he became a national phenomenon. There were shirts that had the Heisman Trophy with dreads on it. It's the reason why. So many Texas running backs have dreads. Why Jamal Charles rock dreads? Why Deontay Foreman was growing his hair out? Like, it's the reason why Texas running backs. It's why Cedric Benson had dreads. Like, Ricky was that dude, and he set the stage, and he was the kind of the the progenitor of that big stretch of good running backs that Texas had that went from Ricky probably all the way through Jamal Charles and beyond.
1: I love it. I, I, like I said, I, I almost picked back-to-back running backs. I'm I'm glad you didn't because I, I didn't want to hog them both and it would have really just been a tough uh, a tough running attack for you to stop if I had Vince and both running backs. But uh, no, that's that's you get no argument. He is fantastic. So I'm going to I'm going to shore up my my team here. I'm going to I I'm I didn't expect to be so era heavy and and I I promise guys, I'm not, you know, the opposite of recency bias, the the legacy bias, um, but but I'm gonna I'm gonna pick a guy who I am just fascinated by. Um, I I think I've never heard a story where anyone who knew him watched him anything was not fascinated by. But I'm gonna go Tommy Nobis to fill out mine. I think you know I don't know which anecdote to tell. I mean the fact that as a sophomore when he got. To see the field, he uh, he averaged twenty tackles a game. The only sophomore starter on a uh, national championship team that that beat that Roger Staubach team in the Cotton Bowl. Um, you know he he was he was a uh, an All American uh, twice. I thought um, every year was an All Southwest team. Had had just one of Texas's most iconic plays. Um, you know fourth and inches tackling Joe Namath uh, in the Orange Bowl. I mean just there's stories about nobis they said he had a 19 inch neck so i really honestly just want to see that thing carved up into a, a mount rushmore you know it's like his head and then everyone else will be uh degrees smaller but here's the thing that's the most impressive i think we we know he went on to be an an incredible linebacker at the next level we know he's an incredible linebacker at texas obviously uh all decade team in the nfl had his number retired by the falcons etc um he was also one of the best offensive linemen in the country probably was the he won the uh, the the Outland Trophy his his senior year. I think people forget that. He was an iron man. He never left the field. He played linebacker and offensive guard so all game. He was just hitting. Coach Royal called him the the finest two-way player he'd ever seen. But basically Texas's really really vaunted running game was traps up the middle that ran directly behind This beast, like if you somehow, you know, had to get hit by him when you were on offense, then you turned around and he just destroyed the middle of the field uh, so that running backs had space to get touchdowns behind it. So I think Tommy Nobis, just one of the all-time greats, couldn't let this go without getting him in there.
0: So Novus was actually the next guy on my list, so I've got to I've got to kind of make a pivot a little bit, but it's not necessarily that hard of a pivot to make with what's left out there on the board. I mean, Vince is gone, Street is gone, but there's still another quarterback that I think uh, is of note and deserves to have their name etched in the side of a mountain, and that's just the winningest coach or winningest quarterback, excuse me, in school history. One Colt McCoy, the owner of a whopping forty-two. School passing records. His name appears in the school record book 198 different times on various top 10, top 15, top 20 lists. 198 different places in the record book. He has the top two passing seasons in school history. Again, the winningest quarterback in school history. Got robbed of not one but two national championships, one by Blake Gideon and one by a weird shoulder injury that happened. But he, he should have. At least one in his pocket, and Greg McElroy said on ESPN that if Colt doesn't go out, Texas runs them, which I count as a national championship, uh, at least in the Aggie sense of the word.
1: <laughs> I, I, hate to bring Aggie championships into it, but go ahead and put that on the stadium. No, uh, or, or I guess you could carve it into your Mount Rushmore, just a little asterisk on the on the backside. I, uh, I think it would have been it would have been tough for us to have a full. Two Mount Rushmore's and not include Colt. It is a little weird looking at it that we have more quarterbacks than running backs on our combined Rushmore's Um, just because Texas is such a uh, prodigious producer of elite running back talent and the all-time greats. But uh, how could you not put one uh, Theodore Colt McCoy I don't know if that's actually his real name But uh, Colt McCoy on, uh, on the Rushmore I, I like it, Gerald I think you got a solid uh, final pick there
0: And I wonder how many 12-year-olds are named Colt right now Because of Colt McCoy Is the real question I have Like how many 12-year-olds are running around Texas named Colt
1: Do you think it's worthwhile going through our, our honorable
0: mention here? Absolutely, absolutely And, and we can go uh, Bobby Lane was another one that I had on my list uh, Cedric Benson, Jamal Charles Guys I already mentioned
1: yeah, those are those are really really good ones um I, I think I think you could make an argument for Earl Thomas I think Dana yeah. X Bible if you if you were to get a third coach in there he's the guy when I talked about royal moving them up into this echelon he's the guy who moved them into that first echelon of even being a blue blood program um I, I think uh I personally would probably throw Jordan Shipley in there because heart um earl thomas uh a guy who i was gonna if if and i realized i got deep in my list but i was gonna try to shock you with um who i just love when we talk about the litany of great ut running backs there's one who never gets brought up and for that reason i wanted to potentially throw him in here at least in the honorable mention is chris gilbert who uh is abducted in the college football hall of fame in 99 but didn't play in the nfl so kind of gets lost um in the Longhorn Greats conversation. He's the first player in the history of college football to rush for a thousand, three consecutive thousand yard seasons, doing in 66, 67, and 1968. Uh, All American in 29 games, had uh, 28 touchdowns. So, I mean, just a guy who um, knew how to, in, in that era of the game, be the best at it. So, uh, probably not on my Mount Rushmore, but I want to throw him in there.
0: That's another solid one. Uh- Fred Akers was another coach that I had on my list of coaches. He's a guy that I considered. Uh, he was good. He's, he's in the Hall of Honor. He's, he's there for a reason. Um, but, man, so we'll, we'll put this out there on Twitter. You can vote for who you think is better. I have a feeling uh, Kyle's probably going to win this one, but I think it's <laughs> just my natural pessimism. So a quick news item we have to talk about real quick. After putting his name in the transfer portal a week ago, uh, Texas offensive lineman Denzel Okafor is now officially out of the transfer portal was first reported by uh horns 247 and then confirmed by some other sources uh weird couple of days for okafor but according to uh richardson sources anwar richardson sources uh long talks with the coaching staff got him to remove his name from the portal
1: yeah i mean we don't know what's going on what conversations he's having with other schools i mean it's it's hard to be guaranteed anything right now right it's we've talked about is there even going to be a guaranteed season next year so um it's interesting hopefully he's prioritizing education and can find the right grad program at the university of texas if he uh, indeed is choosing to stay but um such an interesting odd unprecedented and weird time even the transfer portal itself is a new bird but um you know transferring in a time of of covid is is um just so unbelievably odd you know i think with no spring football at least it it might benefit uh, people to stay put because you still got to go earn your spot wherever you go. So I, I hope, hope it uh, works out for the best and we have a, a highly motivated tackle next season.
0: Here's hoping. There'll be a lot of highly motivated tackles, I think, uh, on campus or whenever football goes. But that brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week?
1: Gerald, it is uh, it's April now, but it doesn't mean we can't still be nostalgic for the beauty of the March Madness. Um, seated basketball tournaments done in uh, in on the hardwood in real life are impossible right now, and in fact, probably strictly prohibited and illegal in a lot of places. Um, meeting up and doing such things, but as we've been talking with our our esports. Uh, athletes in the the past few weeks you can still get your fix uh via the the virtual gaming ecosystem so nba 2k a popular franchise um is is i've personally been feeling the the server burden of more people joining me and playing 2k again apologies to my wife um but uh, it is free on xbox game pass by the way but nba 2k um along with ESPN kind of seizing the uh, the moment, uh, stepped in to give folks some, some sports to watch. So uh, there was a players tournament, which uh, consisted of 16 players um, competing against one another. There's some specific rules I won't get into. Um, couldn't play with the same team in consecutive uh, games. Uh, I don't know the rules about playing as yourself, but uh, Kevin Durant was the number one seed. Pretty good, uh, pretty proud of his abilities on the sticks. Uh, However, uh, and no jokes will be had here, none will be tolerated, Kevin Durant was upset in the first round of the tournament by something called Derek Jones Jr., um, who apparently is an NBA uh, player. Um, It it is worth noting that Kevin Durant was in a giant Texas football shirt as the the video uh, obviously was streamed at the same time as the on- court action but ended up losing 78 62 uh, mostly in the second half uh, great halftime adjustment by mr jones jr saw uh his milwaukee bucks top kevin durant's la clippers um in, in jones playing from miami uh durant obviously playing from New York. Uh, it, it was not the best of times for KD and, and 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 his fellow players. Let him have it a little bit. Evan Turner, who actually is the uh, the exact same age as as Kevin Durant, uh, tweeted at him saying, "You know, dang well, these '90 babies uh, will take you in video games. Every kid born after '95 is a top chef." I'm not sure exactly they're cooking, what that, mean, that means, but I've been told that means they're cooking. They're cooking. So.
0: Yeah, so, I I mean, I I am terrible at video games. I played uh, Call of Duty over the weekend with some of our really close friends, and I was absolutely awful. I was slightly better than our mutual friend Mario, but outside of that, uh, I was pretty, pretty terrible. So, I am banging the drum this week on the same thing I banged the drum on last week. Uh, except it wasn't the 24-hour marathon. It was just the Thursday night event that ESPN created around a replay of the Texas National Championship game from 2005. It, like, captivated everyone. They did, like, a throwback Thursday. I think it's going to be a thing for them. But, like, everybody was watching. Her true watching. Desmond Howard was watching. Like, all the old players mm-hmm. i don't even know the list is too long, but all the current coaches, former coaches, Mac Brown, Vince Young, like all of them were tweeting about it and having a conversation about it and there's like a generation that knows how good this game was, and they were watching it excited, and they were watching it with people that had no clue how good that game was, and so seeing people both like discover and rediscover the again probably One of the best, if not the best, college football games of all time was just so great to see and be a part of. And we also got to, Kyle, you and I connect with a hero of ours, one Rashad Terry (laughs) Bobbino via Twitter. Uh, If you don't know that story, check us out on our Twitter timeline. But my good friend Mike Jones uh, renamed Rashad Bobineau Terry.
1: (laughs) And it was great. (laughs) I One of my proudest moments was connecting that story to the actual, God bless social media, to the actual Rashad Bobineau who thought it was uh, hilarious. Terry Bobineau is just far less intimidating for whatever reason uh, than Rashad Babano is. But uh, yeah, the game was incredible. Every media personality seemed to be talking about it. Um, you know, I, I, I would have been curious if, uh, Keith Jackson was still with us, what he would have had to say watching his own performance of the game with the whole country watching a second time. Uh, I'm sure something succinct, perfect, witty and sly, but, uh, no, it, it uh, it was fun, man. That, that. The glory days are, are, are there for a reason, and it's always fun every once in a while to dip a toe in. And God bless uh, ESPN for, for showing the Longhorn Network model is is, uh, is uh, potentially profitable. Just just show that game all the time.
0: Very, <laughs> very, very profitable. But that's all we've got for you today. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the Internet?
1: Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at texas pre-gamer you can follow me
0: on twitter i'm at gh goodrich follow the show on twitter at longhorn pod shoot us an email longhorn republic pod at gmail.com thank you so much for tuning in again this week we'll be back on thursday for a quick show another longhorn gaming spotlight but thank you so much for tuning in again and until next time
1: hook hook em podcasts are now sports